Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Our public and parliamentary debate in the coming weeks will be more and more dominated by the carbon tax. For the last few years, we haven't really been able to turn our TVs or radios on without hearing all the debates, the divisions, the conflicting theories on climate change. The claim is 90% of the world's leading scientists believe that climate is changing, but people with Christian faith are often as polarised as everyone else on it. Kelly Trujillo has a growing passion for what she calls environmental stewardship and has written a thought-provoking article called Going Green for the Right Reasons. We're going to talk to her now about the stance she says Christians should take on climate change and how we can stand together, united, to care for creation. Kelly Trujillo, welcome to Open House. Thanks so much, Lee. Kelly, after reading your article on your website, you're obviously very passionate about what you call environmental stewardship. Can you tell us what you mean by that and why it's so important to you, why it should be important to us, do you think? The reason I use the term environmental stewardship instead of environmentalism is partly because environmentalism can be a kind of a hot-button term that people use to stereotype others or use in debate. Yes. I use the word stewardship because of what I believe about God and what I believe the Bible has tasked us to do. I believe that God created this earth, and when we look in Genesis, um, when God created humankind, he asked humanity to rule over this earth. Those are the words that are used in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, to rule over it and to subdue it. And in Genesis 2, 15, when it's describing Adam's role in the Garden of Eden, God tasks Adam with the job of working it and taking care of it. So he's using Earth's resources, and he is a caretaker or a steward. That is where the idea of stewardship comes from. But what's really critical that I want to say right off the bat is that this idea of ruling over the Earth can sometimes be twisted a little bit, and people use that to think that we can be wasteful or destructive or self-centered. And so it's important to understand that that passage in Genesis also includes the idea of God saying, let us make humankind in our image, that we're made in the image of God. And so our rulership or stewardship ought to reflect God's character. And as a Christian, as I get to know God in Scripture, and as I come to know Him better and know His character better, I see that he's anything but destructive, anything but selfish. And so we can find inspiration from how we should steward the environment from God's character and try to do it in a way that reflects him. Kelly, one of the first things you highlight in your article is that polarization of people with Christian faith. Why do you think that is the case? Part of it has to do with politics. Um, Part of it has to do with some perceived faith versus science antagonism. And I understand that there, there are controversial issues where Christians and um, the scientific establishment may go head-to-head. I don't think we need to fear science or fear the um, conclusions that science offers us. In fact, I believe that the more we discover in science, 
um, the more we're learning about our Creator and how He made this world and what His character is like, what His qualities are like. So, um, you know, for me, I'm very passionate about environmental stewardship. I have friends who are um, also dedicated Christians who may not see the same, who may not see climate change in the same way that I do, but I do believe if we can set that issue aside and find other areas of common ground, we can together care for, for creation rather than fixating on drawing lines in the sand, um, debating, stereotyping each other, or arguing. You quote Dr. Calvin Dewitt, who says, because God is creator and we follow Jesus, we should pay attention to his creation. Is one of the problems the fact that we just blithely trip along with life with not a lot of thought and therefore not a lot of care for creation? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I am a busy mom of three who also works as a, an author and an editor, and life can get busy. Um, it's very easy to feel like I have enough on my plate worrying about my own little family. And I think that's true for many of us um, in our family lives or in our vocations, our jobs. It's easy to kind of get in a rut and live life as normal and maybe lose our passion for following Jesus or maybe we don't feel we have enough space to look space in our lives to look at big issues like environmental stewardship or some of the other issues that can at times feel overwhelming or intimidating when we're just trying to kind of do our thing and live our own personal life. Also, I think that um, consumerism can really affect our mindset. That certainly happens to me. We can start living where many of our thoughts are occupied with what we want, what we feel we need next, what we want to buy, and that mindset is very contrary to environmental stewardship. It's also not the mindset that um, we see in the example of Jesus, and it can be very easy to be thinking that way about life without realizing how it might be poisoning some of our efforts to, to really follow Jesus with our lives. You mentioned the fact that you're a mum. Does that make you more passionate about the position that you've taken on caring for creation, that stewardship? It absolutely does. It's one of the big motivating factors for me to um, really put this passion into practice. There's a verse in the Bible that's um, Proverbs 13:22. It says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Now, that proverb isn't talking about the environment, but I think that the principle there is critical, that we love our children. Uh, we can imagine future grandchildren or great-grandchildren or just future generations. And that, Proverbs, that proverb asks us to consider, am I someone who's living for me and for now and for what I want this instant, or do I live in a way that is showing love to future generations that wants to leave something beautiful for them. One example, you know, my kids are, are pretty small. And so for them, when we think about the environment, you know, the things that really excite them are flowers, butterflies, animals. 
And I was shocked to learn when I was researching for this article that nearly a third of Earth's species are considered threatened right now. Um, you know, species extinction happens, does happen naturally, but we also know that human-influenced species extinction and endangerment is rising at an alarming rate. And when I think about the world that I want my kids and their children and their children and their children to have, I don't want there to be one-third less of the beautiful biodiversity of species that God has created, especially if it's our fault <laughs> that that has happened. So that's a powerful motivation for a mom and I'm sure many mums around the world. I think the motivation for everyone has to be on the evidence. And this is the great point of separation where people are so torn, Christian or not, on the evidence. You say 90% of the world's leading scientists say our climate is changing. 82% of the world's environmental scientists believe human activity is a significant contributor. How have you come to that conclusion? And does your Christian or theological position inform that at all? Well, those percentages were from a, some research that I did out of some universities here in the States. I do want to say that the 82% is actually a low number compared to some other studies that are out there. Some studies take the number as high as 98% of Earth's leading climate scientists concluding that humans are influencing and changing our climate. I am not a scientist, and um, so I do kind of leave it to the experts, but 82 to 98% is a pretty overwhelming consensus. And what I have looked at and what I have learned has been very convincing to me. Um, one particular resource that has been really helpful to me is called the John Ray Initiative out of Great Britain, and they're led by Sir John Houghton, who's perhaps the leading climate scientist in the world today. He's a devout Christian, and his website, the John Ray Initiative, really explores the science in detail and also explores the science for a layperson like myself to really understand the reasoning here and why these conclusions are being drawn. And what's particularly helpful to me is to see that this is one scientist whose love for Christ comes through in the things that he says about this world and about climate change. It's not driven by fear. It's not driven by politics or any other ulterior motive. Through his writing, he talks a lot about stewardship and God's creation and appreciating this world that God gave us, treating it with gratitude. You know, we cherish it. That's what stewardship means. You know, when my kids are get a present for Christmas or something like that, if a child were to open a present and kind of stomp on it and toss it aside as if it was not important, that child would get in big trouble from me. Because <laughs> yes. that's not what we do when we receive a gift. Yeah. We use it, we enjoy it, we cherish it, we express gratitude, and we let it um, it, it helps us to remember the person who gave it to us. And I, I think that's the mindset that we ought to have as Christians towards this created world. It's a beautiful world with a myriad of possibilities in it. And I think that the science, although there's lots of scary and hopeless feelings that come along when we learn about climate change, I think the science also overall shows us so much about God, 
so much about the world that he made. And so I don't think we need to fear the scientific conclusions. And I also want to say this. If that 82 to 98% of scientists are wrong, we haven't harmed this world in any way by choosing to take better care of it. You know, I wouldn't want to bargain on the minority end and be, be wrong and end up continuing to, you know, pollute and cause environmental degradations in our world. The worst case scenario would be that, or maybe the best case scenario, would be that all of this science is wrong, and yet we have still cleaned up our pollution and we have still taken better care of our environment. Kelly, there's one particular place that you highlight in expressing your concern about our responsibility towards our creation, our stewardship towards it, and that's the Dandora dump site in Nairobi. Tell us about that. Well, I learned about that dump site while researching um, stuff through the World Health Organization and others. There are actually multiple examples of places where people are living in highly polluted areas, but this is one that was really touching to me in my research. In this dump site, there are about 2,000 daily tons of waste um, left there, you know, added to the dump, and it includes medical waste and industrial waste, which would have heavy metals and other toxic chemicals. Many people live very close to that dump site, and the research has found that especially the children living there, one-third of them have blood abnormalities from heavy metal poisoning. Half of them have respiratory problems. Part of my point here, and this happens all over the globe, not just in the specific example in Kenya, but it's that the poor and the vulnerable in this world, and especially children, are often those most affected by environmental degradations and pollution. So when we talk about environmental stewardship, we're not just talking about caring for the earth. As Christians, we're talking about caring for people. We're talking about being concerned about the poor. We know that comes through clearly in Scripture that God wants us to... um, In Isaiah 58, it says that we are to share our food with the hungry, provide for the poor, when we see the vulnerable, not to turn away from them. And Micah 6.8 says we're to be people who act justly and love mercy. And, of course, Jesus' teachings over and over again emphasize the importance of loving our neighbor, loving someone as we would love ourselves. Well, as we love and care about issues like poverty, We absolutely must see that environmental stewardship is directly related to damage done to the poor, to the violence of disease that is done to the poor. People who are impoverished in circumstances that I can only imagine, they are not insulated from pollution or from other environmental problems the way that I can insulate myself. They cannot hop in the car and drive down to the organic market down the street. They must fish from a stream that is polluted and eat that fish that might have mercury in it, which is a very dangerous neurotoxin. Or they might literally scrounge in the dump for food. Meanwhile, that food is contaminated by heavy metals or medical waste or other toxic chemicals. That should break our hearts as Christians. It's so important that we understand that part of our motivation 
for being good stewards of the environment is that we want to love our neighbor, whether they're next door or whether they're across the globe or whether they're living on a dump site. Kelly, these are very powerful arguments. Can I wrap up our discussion by going to your practical suggestions because I think that's a very helpful thing as well. You list a number of practical things that you say we could do to be better mobilised, to be better stewards of this creation. Well, I think um, a good first step is to pray, to read scripture, look at key passages like Psalm 19, Colossians 1, 15 and on, which talks about how Jesus part of the creation and he sustains all life and redeems all life. You know, we we want to solidify why we're doing this. We're doing this because we are followers of Jesus and we want to live according to his words. For me in our family, this is a gradual process, growing as environmental stewards. So we kind of focus on trying one new thing, making it part of our life. When that becomes normal, part of our way of being, then adding something else. So it might be as simple as starting to recycle or doing more recycling. We can compost biodegradable waste. We can think about where our food comes from. You know, if we buy some or more of our food locally and seasonally, especially if it's from a farmer that has sustainable farming practices, that's a much better choice than buying something that was shipped from far away to get to your plate because when it was shipped, fuel was spent, emissions and pollutants entered the atmosphere, and it's a much higher cost than we realized to get that out-of-season food. We can also think about energy efficiency with our appliances and that kind of thing, with how much we use energy. I think another key step is to spend time outdoors. Um, even if it's just a little bit of time, a little bit more time than we normally would, as we're outside, we appreciate God's world. We notice little things that we maybe were too busy to notice. Then something happens within us where we start to say, wow, this world is so awesome. God has revealed himself. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 1 that the created world shows us more about who God is and what God is like. And when we have those experiences ourselves, we become really motivated. You know, it's more than just, oh, what's the next thing I need to do? I need to recycle more. It's a response almost of worship, saying, God, you created this amazing world. You know, you did create the butterflies. You created all the species. You created the people that are on this planet that you care about. What can I do to cherish that gift? And then small choices start to gain in significance in one's heart and one's spiritual practice. Those are just a few ideas. There are many more. There are so many resources that you can find that could list many things you could do to practice environmental stewardship. But one thing I would want to say is this. It can become very overwhelming once you start looking into all of this because myself, I started to realize so many things in my life had an environmental impact, and you can start to feel paralyzed (laughs) by how much you need to do to be more green. (laughs) Well, that's not the mindset that we need to have as Christians. We live in grace. We live in hope. That's why I would advocate picking one thing to focus on at a time, but continuing to add on to that as those small choices become normal and start building into a way of life 
that honors God and his creation. Kelly, I think this is a really helpful conversation, and I hope that uh, our audience has found that across Australia and beyond. Thank you so much indeed for your time and look forward to the response to it. Thanks, Lee. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.